everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm your host today, Valentino Stoll, and I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Pete. Uh, Pete, I'm forgetting your last name. Can, <laughs> do you want to introduce <laughs> yourself and uh, why you're famous and, uh, you know, we can get into why we had you on? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm Pete Matsuburka, and I'm Ruby developer. <laughs> And I have a bunch of open source projects written on Rails, which is Monterey, Decusil, which is the most recent one. And that's probably it, I guess, about me. Cool, yeah. You know, we noticed that you have uh, a, a couple open source <laughs> projects, you know, quite a few actually. Uh, but the two that stuck out to me, at least, uh, Docuseal, uh, which is kind of like an open source uh, document signing, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I'm guessing to compete with, uh, you know, DocuSign. Is there? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was that on purpose? Uh, yeah, it's not like on purpose. It's more like uh, the name DocuSeal. So basically, the word seal means two. It has two meanings, right? Seal the animal, sea seal, and then seal like digital seal, or like digital stem, which is digital seal. So it's like. A fun word to use for document signing and for something legal related. So, and basically, seal logo is our mascot. So it's like animal. Basically, it's our mascot. Uh, so I just thought it's like a nice word to use. And obviously, docu because it's documents. Uh, so that's that's what it means, I guess, regarding the name of the project. Yeah, super cute logo of the seal. Uh, love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you know, document signing is like pretty huge, right? Like if you're trying to do anything legal, it's definitely, I know I've implemented like a, just an HTML5 scribble, <laughs> uh, you know, log the IP address kind of thing before a long time ago. Um, so I'm curious, like what, what got you interested in like making something like this? And, uh, you know, how does it all work? <laughs> mm. Yeah, so uh, maybe the thing is that like, I've been interested building some open source like project for a while, and I've been searching for different ideas, like what I can build, what's easy to build, and what can be potentially become a commercial project, right? So with open source core, but then trying to commercialize some, you know, some enterprise product on top of that for companies. Uh, and yeah, I, I've been just basically. It's not just me. It's also Alex, my good friend. We are working together on this project. Uh, he started it. I joined later this year. Uh, but we've been discussing a lot about different ideas, open source ideas, like to, to build and to implement using Ruby and Rails, of course. Uh, and I don't know, somehow we've been just discussing it, trying different just, you know, just walking through different existing products that are available. And we found out that there are no open source, like document signing tools, like literally there were no, like at the time when we've been searching for, we were not able to find at least one good open source uh, document signing tool. And that was it. That's how it started, basically. Um, yeah. That's cool. I mean, usually that's, uh, you know, when there's a need, that's when the magic happens, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of interrupting. <laughs> actually, no, it good. was really. It was really. I was really surprised because there were a lot of questions on Reddit, like people asking on, on different like subreddits, like self-hosted subreddit, open source subreddit. There were like a lot of questions people asking for open source self-hostable document sign, and there are no good alternatives. There were no good answers. Uh, so it was another reason why this project was started was it's actually those Reddit questions and comments and uh, just people searching for this type of open source project. Uh, so yeah, j just yeah, Reddit also played an important role <laughs> in this Dickensil project. Yeah. Nice. I'm curious how how that exactly works. Like you post on Reddit, hey, is there this uh thing that exists and then mm -hmm. people are like no or here's something close uh and then 
it just snowballs mm-hmm. into, oh, let me create something. Like, what, what are the steps for that? I, I'm super curious, like, how that yeah, process that's, Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, so there are, like, uh, basically on Reddit, there are some Reddits related to different topics. And the most popular one is self-hosted subreddit. So basically on this subreddit, people are sharing or searching for some open source and self-hosted tools. Let's say it's self-hosted, uh, self-hosted Google Docs. There are a bunch of alternatives, right? LibreOffice, I mean, not Libre, but OpenOffice, if I recall, and then Nextcloud, and, and you know, those type of projects are listed on that on those subreddits. And basically people discuss their findings, ask questions, search for projects. Uh, so yeah, yeah, definitely Reddit. It's a really good source for like open source projects, promotion, I would say, discussing it, uh, finding what you need, let's say for your company, for your business. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Um, so the process, I, so I'm guess I'm trying to follow. Like, so you you found like, okay, this need is miss, you know, missing an answer, right? Like, uh, started to create like an, a sample open source project, and then you just say, hey, in the same subreddits, like, how is this work for you, kind of thing? Like, how does that process yeah. evolve? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> first version of Jacuzil was built in. July this year, uh, and it was basically released on on open source subreddit, like not like first release was open source subreddit post. And the thing is that basically it received a lot of upvotes, a lot of comments. People started noticing it, and then someone reposted this Dukasil open source project on Hacker News. It was not us. Uh, you know, because on Hacker News, usually like companies, startups, they're trying to post their tools, the open source projects, and that's how it works, right? But it was not us posting on Hacker News. It was someone else. <laughs> and it was like, uh, you know, it was, we didn't expect that. We were not prepared for that. And that Hacker News post received like, probably 700 uploads and 200 wow. comments, which is a lot uh, <laughs> on Hacker News. How do you even deal with that kind of response? Like, is that like yeah, a, a few weeks process of uh, <laughs> trying to respond to everybody? Or do you just like, like uh, put your hands up in the air and say, you know, oh, <laughs> they, you know I'll let them just, uh, you know, let other people comment, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, it was a mess. We were not prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> Didn't know how to reply to those questions, but we tried our best to do that. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what to say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good. You know, uh, we can complain. Uh, we received, you know, the project received decent traction from that hacker news post, which was triggered by Reddit post, and that's basically how, <laughs> you know, how we are still working on this project. Uh, you know. Given all the traction we received, all users, customers, and everything, so yeah, can't complain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So let, I mean, let's take a step back here, right, uh, and talk about kind of what what all the things that it saw because it's pretty cool. It's a Rails app, uh, from what I see here, uh, and it's just a way to. Is this like a an engine, a Rails engine that people can plug into their existing Rails app, or is it a standalone service that you can kind of just run your own document signing? Uh, you know what? What is the overall like architecture of the open source mm-hmm. project? Yeah, that's a standalone Rails application. You can deploy it on your uh, Heroku, DigitalOcean, Amazon EC2, uh, and that's basically self-hosted open source that you sign. You can just upload your documents, put signature field, put date field. You can connect SMTP to send emails, and that's how you basically send signature requests to your customers as they sign it, and you receive signed documents. Uh, so yeah, that's not a jam. That's not a plugin. That's just sell an app, deploy it using Docker. Um, that's awesome. So you just upload whatever document or image or whatever it may be, 
and then you kind of can customize all the signable or fields that you want to put mm -hmm. on the form itself. Yeah, that's really mm -hmm. neat. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the interface here for it, and uh, it's pretty pretty wild. Um, what's the what's been so what's involved like? Is this what you do all you know for your for all day long? Uh, you know, work for you, or is this like kind of just for fun? Uh, you know, how does this fit into your your overall day to day? Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm always curious, like how people like evolve their open source, right? Like, <laughs> okay, you put this like thing together, like maybe you're using it right um, for your own uh, company or, or company you work for, right? Uh, at, at what point does it become kind of like you know, too much for yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's been, an, you know, for a while it was just open source project. Uh, but actually in November, we started commercializing it. So basically now it's company, uh, the Casilla LC company. We have three people working on this project. And yeah, and, you know, we have companies using it. And we are bootstrapped, so we are not taking easy money. That's our choice, and we believe, <laughs> we hope it will work. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. Uh, that's basically what the Casil is currently. That's awesome. So, uh, so how did that? How did the whole thing start? Right, like, <laughs> at what point are you like, oh, I can really make money on this idea, right? Uh, and how does that transition work? Like, is it mm -hmm. very? Was that a very like straightforward? Oh, this just makes sense. We can, you know, pay mm -hmm. for people to host it on whatever mm -hmm. services that we want. Like, did you have other people already uh, that were interested in joining and forming a company? You know, how did that all evolve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be honest, uh, it was built. Uh, you know, <laughs> of course, we built this project with the end goal to commercialize it, but we didn't know if it's possible, right? So we just built MVP. Uh, and just as then Reddit happened, Hacker News happened, we received some traction, and then we like figure out, okay, maybe it's possible to commercialize it given all the interest the project received. And, and yeah, basically based on the customer feedback, based on user feedback, we learned what we need to develop next, which features are needed for businesses to sign documents uh, better than DocuSign or anyone else. And yeah, and, and that's how we started the company from, from this DocuSeal open source project. That's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> I'm always happy to see, uh, you know, open source actually like fueling business, you know, um, because you don't get to see that often, right? Like usually you create this open source project and then just people use it and abuse you. <laughs> mm. uh, so I guess, you know, going in, uh, you going into it, uh, expecting commercialization, you know, it's definitely a, a huge uh, advantage on your side. Um, so it's really interesting. So like how, uh, how do you balance that, uh, you know, commercialization aspect with the open source? Or like, where do you find your, have you found your like, mm -hmm shifting focus based on what the open source demand is versus like the business demand and like how are you kind of like a, a balancing that yeah uh, i would say it's pretty simple uh so if you are using open source you are using the software as it is with our docuseal logo with our docuseal attribution and everything our logo is really good it's cute seal so you can use it for free, right? And this basically helps us with network effect, right? Because if more people use it for free, it's open source, more people will know about the project because they see our legacy logo, our attribution. So that's how more people will get familiar with this software. But if you're a company, you probably want to put your own logo. Uh, so your customers see your logo and they sign documents for you, right? And that's... And that's actually how we commercialize it, right? So if you want more personalized look when signing documents, if you want embedding APIs, let's say, to develop document signing in your SaaS platform. So basically, that's how we can help. We can help companies to develop document signing for them, completely white-labeled, 
And yeah, and usually it's much cheaper than using some other large alternatives. Uh, and also, we are available in the cloud uh, as well. So people can use us in the cloud. But if they want to self host, you can still use more features like API embedding, their own logo, it's also possible. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably it, I guess. So, so when you say like API embedding, uh, those aren't available on the open source version. Uh, no, APIs are available. You can use APIs to send signature requests, uh, but with our Ducasi logo. So I the more, yeah, the more emails you send via API with our logo, that's better for the project, right? Because more people will know about. It. But if you want send using API with your own logo, then you need to choose commercial uh, version. Um, so I see you're using uh, Turbo <laughs> uh, oh, for yeah. for some things. Uh, <laughs> you know how how has that experience been? And I I do see Tailwind too. Like, uh, is that your like kind of go to uh, you know setup at this point? Uh, I'm, I'm curious what your experience is with. Uh, you know, that. Yeah. Uh, just two words, Turbo, three words, actually. Turbo is amazing. Like, it's the best front-end library human was able to create, like, literally. Uh, I was not able to find some something better in terms of, like, ideas, in terms of development speed than Turbo for front-end. Uh, and also, you know, it comes also with Rails, how fast how fast and efficient it is to develop, you know, HTML pages in Rails. And then with Turbo, you can uh, easily, you know, to make it more dynamic, right? So that's the purpose of Turbo. So you don't need to write a lot of JavaScript to, for dynamic content, but you use Turbo, you send HTML to your front end, and then Turbo updates it and does everything for you, right? Uh, yeah, I know. Turbo was a really, I don't know, <laughs> like that's that's a really important part of our project. And I will actually, I'm glad that you asked about Turbo because actually we extended Turbo with another feature called InstaClick. Uh, this like really old feature used by Dev2 website. If you know, uh, this like Dev2 like Facebook for developers. Yep. Right. I was going to ask yeah, about so that. I saw that uh, in the application JS here. <laughs> uh, uh, InstaClick. Like, what? What is that? <laughs> yeah. So basically, <laughs> we extended Turbo uh, TypeScript version. Uh, basically, we just added some patch to be able to implement this InstaClick functionality. And basically, what it does is that when you hover on a link, it preloads it. So let's say you hovered on a button, it opens model. Uh, window using Turbo HTML, but you hovered on it and it's already preloaded. So when you click on it, you show the changes on your screen instantly. And also, if you navigate pages, also navigation is instantaneous because on hovering on links, they are preloaded. Uh, and that's how we made our app look work really smooth, uh, right? With this instantly preloading. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, actually, oh, actually, by the way, uh, another developer noticed this work and he has been working on a pull request and actually, hopefully, it will become a part of Turbo 8, uh, this InstaClick feature. So more, oh, that would be more awesome. projects will be able to use it. Um, so did you get any, like, uh, you know, were there any kind of like things throttling your progress when you were like diving into Turbo? Like, were you already familiar with it? I'm curious, like, if there's like uh, anything you, any hesitation you would say, you know, when suggesting it, or if it's just like, you know, just go do it because this is kind of the path, the future, right? Uh, yeah, I was familiar with Turbo, uh, so for the Casil, it was super easy to use it. Uh, yeah, in general. Like super easy to use Turbo. I don't know. It's much easier than React, UJS. You don't need to learn anything. It's just HTML over 
over JavaScript, like, or, I don't know, it's like super easy to use. So I'm curious, like, uh, you have like a WYSIWYG editor, right? Like, uh, what, how, how much of it, I guess I'm curious, like, uh, you know, do you find the JavaScript aspect to be the, the bigger hurdle at this point? Uh, than using than all the backend like serialization and things like that. Uh, like where did where did you find the most of your time was spent while building it out? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, actually, it's it's really hard to answer this question. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't recall actually what was the hardest part. Yeah, and I just think maybe... like if if I'm gonna like create the the API aspect for a particular uh, thing, like maybe say like the you know adding a user or something like that. Uh, you know, do you just use like Rails generators and then like hook up the Turbo side to it like pretty easily, like? Where does the slowdown start to happen uh, as the you, you know the Rails app starts to evolve? <laughs> uh, I'm always curious where other you know, people's <laughs> yeah. slowdown is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say we don't have slowdowns, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like too naive to say. I, I understand that it sounds too naive, but like really, uh, we've been developing it so fast. I, I don't remember any slowdowns. Like we just, if we need something to build, usually. On the next day, we have it available and released. I don't know. Usually, that's how easy it is to develop using Rails, using all the gems ecosystem available. Uh, we don't spend time of JSON, like front end, like all the stuff. We just render static HTML using Rails. Drupal makes it all dynamic and it's super easy to develop. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, what was something like, I guess, in the, in the Rails stack? that like aside from turbo right that just made building this out really quick for you and, and straightforward like what uh i'm always curious like what people's like you know uh where are the best you know tools in the swiss army knife mm. yeah maybe you know uh actually maybe working with pdfs so basically for document signing we need to work with pdfs and actually yeah, to be honest, that's a complex part. <laughs> like really working with PDFs, it's not easy. There are different PDFs formats. Uh, you know, some legacy updated PDFs you need to support for document signing. Some broken PDFs, you need to sign them as well because for some reason people have some broken PDFs with broken uh, layouts, for example. Uh, so yeah, like front end, like CRUD operations, that's easy. Rails does that. We use Turbo, static rendering. Uh, but yeah, working with PDFs, it's kind of complex just because it's PDF, uh, just complex format. Yeah, I see you went with the Hexa PDF gem. Uh, is that, was that, has it been like kind of straightforward to use? I haven't used that gem in quite a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, Hexa PDF, like, re- really great gem, like, amazing work. Uh, so, yeah, it, it helps us a lot. Uh, but, yeah, even with this, like, really great gem, it's still complex. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't, still. We I don't ever want to do uh, <laughs> templates with PDFs again. <laughs> so. Yeah, actually, we do this. We do this in, in the project. Uh, but, yeah, actually, we are super lucky having Hexa PDF and having other great Ruby gems. And I don't think, like, Python or Node.js, like, larger ecosystem have such good tools. Ruby actually does have. So, uh, yeah. Regarding Ruby ecosystem with all libraries gems, like literally, we're super lucky. Yes. So what other? I'm curious. Like, what other? Uh, what other gems have been helpful with working with the PDFs? Because uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm a little old school with like Wicked PDF as an example 
mm. from like generated PDFs from HTML or something like that. Uh, you know, what what did you reach for that ended up like working best for you? Yeah, so actually, uh, yeah, we are not using gems, but we are using two other tools when working with PDF. So first tool is is called, uh, I, I don't remember exactly. Uh, let me check. It's something like Paddle. No, it's not Paddle. Okay, so it's like a Linux PDF viewer. Poplar. Oh, okay. It's called Poplar. So with this tool, we generate images from PDF pages. Basically, we display those images from news on, on, on web pages, right? So users can, instead of, instead of let's say, downloading 20 megabytes of PDF, they can just download one page image, which is 20, maybe 100 kilobytes, and that's it. So they can start signing the document. So we use this to generate images preview, image previews, right? And also we are using Chromium to generate PDFs from HTML. So it's it's obvious. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, use the simplest tools, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I've yeah. I mean, so how does the how does the templating work then? Uh, is that also use kind of the same methods, or is that just like overlaid on top? Like, I imagine the positioning would be a little complex. Like, mm-hmm. is, are you just focusing yeah. on the, the front end for that? Or how is how does that work? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question because you're right. Positioning fields, that's a complex problem. <laughs> some companies use uh, some companies use APIs and they ask their customers to specify pixel positions of the fields. It's super complex. We also do this, but it's complex. Uh, another option is to create text tags. Basically, they use curly brackets. It's a signature, and then this text is replaced with a field. But still, it's again, it's not ideal because it's hard to set proper sizes of those text boxes and everything. Uh, but and actually, what we did, we created HTML API to create documents and. That HTML API is extended with our own custom HTML tags. And it looks like uh, you just put, let's say, signature field HTML tag in your HTML document. And then you can use CSS to set proper size of that field. And then you send that HTML to our API and we are able to extract it. And that's how we were able to achieve the pixel perfect positioning of the fields using HTML. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. We use Chromium for this. Some parsing, you know, some parsing with Ruby to extract those custom HTML tags. And yeah, so probably HTML is the best way to create documents if you need some automation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, on a layer on top of the image, <laughs> the li- you know, tr- trying to rebuild. You're almost like making a uh, virtual DOM out of the document, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very cool. So, like, what's what's next for this DocuSeal? Like, uh, are, is there, a, like, a, uh, a grand, um, you know, horizon? Like, do you have a, a planned milestones uh, mm-hmm. to continue developing for the open source project? And is it kind of like in line with your company goals? Like how does the how does the open source piece of it kind of fit with how the company mm-hmm. grows, right? Yeah, I would say we are quite humble. We are a small team and we are not taking VC money. And it means that we can we can be open source, right? Because if you are taking VC money, it means you want to sell your company eventually. And I don't know how this can align with open source, like literally, like how, <laughs> uh, and, you know, without VC money, it seems safer. We can continue developing open source. And we believe that that's more sustainable path, right? Because with open source, we will be able to receive more traction from developers using it. And some of them will eventually 
such as in commercial product. And that's basically how we will be able to fund the development of free open source product and also continue serving our paid customers. Uh, so, you know, nothing, nothing major, I would say. We are small, bootstrap team. We are open source. And yeah, that's probably it. So I'm curious, uh, you know, I, I see it's mobile optimized. Have you looked into, uh, you know, taking the turbo native approach uh, as a next step? Or mm-hmm. would you rather keep things focused, uh, you know, on the web? Yeah, I would say web is our primary focus. I don't think we need a mobile app for this. Uh, and also, actually, with recent with recent iPhone Safari updates with better uh you know progressive web apps support. So it makes more sense to create progressive web app and make it work really smooth, really nice. And that's probably it. I would say we are not planning to release uh App Store apps or Android apps. Uh yeah, web is great. You can you can do everything on a web. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I asked it just because I'm curious, like, at, you know, <laughs> at, at what point do people make that jump and decide, okay, like, this makes sense as an app. Uh, and it, it's good to know that that's always not the case, <laughs> uh, like it used to be. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is really cool. Um, I'm curious, like... Uh, you know, you have a bunch of different deploy options here uh, for how you can get started and deploy right away. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you find yourself having to like test all of those options out all the time, or do other people, the community members, stay on top of that? Or you know, <laughs> how do you manage that? Because uh, I I know that mm-hmm. you're probably not deploying to all these environments, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be honest, we are not testing those deployment options quite often. Uh, but it seems like it's it's working. Uh, people are deploying on different platforms. It's Heroku, DigitalOcean, Amazon, uh, Railway. Seems like it works. Uh, I don't recall. I don't recall someone reporting that it's not working. There have been some misconfigurations as usual. We're helping to source it out. Uh, but yeah, you can deploy it on many platforms. Also. We are listed on CloudRoom, which is a platform to deploy self-hosted apps. Uh, so, yeah, I would say uh, it's easy to deploy it. Uh, if you are curious, if our listeners are curious, you can just spend five or ten minutes to deploy it. It should be super easy. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, so... What what's the next big feature, and and how do you manage features, right? <laughs> yeah, usually we receive feature requests from users and customers, and it takes a lot of time to fulfill all their requests. Uh, yeah, and regarding something major, uh, maybe yeah, maybe so in Europe there is. In Europe, there are like ID cards, like smart ID cards, and they contain the command signing certificate in it. And it would be cool to actually make it possible to sign documents with your ID card, like European ID card. And that's how you will make it, you know, uh, basically in Europe, there are three levels of signatures. And with ID card, you can receive the, the best qualified signature level. Uh, it requires to support hardware card readers. And I think it would be really cool to implement actually something like related to hardware, right? So you, let's say you can deploy open source project, you buy that hard, hardware card reader and sign document, documents with it. Uh, so that's something in our roadmap, I would say. Yeah, and that's, yeah, maybe that's the largest uh, the largest idea to implement so far. Yeah, and hopefully we'll make it available this year. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. Uh, you know, like giving an identity stamp with the uh, the, the EU ID card. That's that's really cool. Uh, so, how do you work through that feature? Like, <laughs> does somebody else come up with all of the you know uh, requests, like you know itemized things that need to get done, or do you? Is it a more back and forth, like, uh, or is it more of like a, a customer comes with just the idea and then you cash out? Right on your end, mm-hmm. uh, or is it a mix? <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably a mix. Uh, some idea, some ideas are from open source users and open source community, but also some ideas are coming from interested customers, just asking us for features they need, and that's how we learn what what's needed for this industry, right? And that's how we prioritize it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. So how how does like the uh, the upgrade process work? As uh, you know, you've commercialized it, right? Like, uh, if you wanted to upgrade the Rails version that you know DocuSeal is using, like, is there a big rollout of that kind of thing? Or uh, you know, now that you have paying customers, like, is is that even harder of a process to do uh, to to upgrade the project moving forward? Um, mm-hmm. I'm always curious how like that upgrade transitions from an open source project from, you know, when paying customers are involved, right? Yeah, so uh, we are managing all versions and updates. Actually, last week we upgraded to Rails 7.1. We tried to upgrade to Ruby 3.3. But unfortunately, it didn't work. <laughs> so we switched back to, uh, to the previous version. Um, but yeah, we manage releases and we release Docker images. And that's how our customers and our open source users can upgrade. And with Docker, it's super easy to upgrade. You can just pull a new image, restart your app, and you're using a new version. Um, so yeah, it's really Docker. It's, it's It simplifies everything a lot. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I am curious uh, what issues you ran into with uh, Ruby 3.3. Uh, yeah, actually, it was some bug related to Mac OS virtualization framework, I believe, because it works on Linux, but it doesn't work on Mac. And so we're all back to the previous version because some open source users are actually using Mac Docker, right? Um, but actually, there was a patch already committed into Ruby master branch. Uh, but still, we need to wait for our next release, like Ruby 3.3.1, probably. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, we were not able to try that YGIT with all speed benefits. But that's fine, we can wait. <laughs> I know, I think everybody is, is looking forward to that, uh, to just instantly get your app moving faster. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty awesome, uh, at least the benchmarks that I've seen. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing work. I don't know, like <laughs> implementing, like implementing, you know, the JIT. It's like really complex. Uh, yeah, I'm glad and, other people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, DocuSeal? Because uh, I would like to get uh, touch a little bit on your other project, uh, Motor Admin, uh, which is also really cool. Um, yeah, maybe I can just start with the fact that we are using Motor Admin for our DocuSeal backend, basically to for customer support, because it's like admin panel, right? So we use it for customer support, managing subscriptions, creating reports, and that's how we use Motor Admin in DocuSeal. And we can continue talking about this project, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm curious because uh, I've seen Motor Admin. Uh, I want to say a couple of years ago, um, and it looked really interesting at the time, and I just didn't get a chance to, to dive into it. Uh, how does it differ from some, kind of some of the other, uh, you know, admin panel uh, gems that are out there, or is it not a gem? Is it is it like a standalone app uh, on its own? No, uh, it's a gem. So it was created as a Ruby Rails gem. Let's say as a competitor to Rails admin, right? Uh, but the main difference is that with all popular admin gems, you need to use DSL. 
proprietary initiatives or APIs, uh, Ruby APIs, to develop admin panels. And I found this process quite inefficient. I, I don't know. I, I don't like. I don't like writing code. You know, like backend code for some admin backend for customer support because uh, it's not product code. Uh, it doesn't generate more customers. It's more like routine work. You know, it, it's boring. I would say to, to build admin panels. So the idea was actually not to use DSLs. You don't need to write code with motor admin to customize it, but you can do all the customizations in the UI. You can just drag and drop fields. You decide which database columns you want to display in the tables. You can rename those tables, reorder them, uh, create new uh, like associations between tables, create new reports just with SQL. So it's more like you just plug this gem into your Rails app, and then you don't write Ruby code. You just use UI to customize your admin panel. And that's the main difference between motor admin and other admin projects for Rails. Yeah, that's a, a really great idea. <laughs> I've, I've always, uh, you know, it's been very painful in other admin, like you said, to like, you have to use the DSL and customize how all the dashboards yeah. look and what they use. Uh, and, and it's great for some things and not for others. Uh, and so just dumping the database right at this thing and, and then configuring it on a UI definitely seems much, uh, much smoother. I mean, are there any drawbacks with doing that kind of approach? I'm biased, right? For me, <laughs> there are no drawbacks <laughs> because I'm biased. We're using it for DecaSeal. I've been using it for other projects. For me, that's the best way to create admin panels for your customer support, uh, maybe for sales in your Rails app. Uh, maybe it's one, one thing people don't like is that it's not like you can customize it a lot, right? You will use this table format. You will use this report format and you just drag and drop it and use SQL to create reports and that's it. Uh, but for me, that's good. You, you don't right. need to spend time on some, you know, on some non-essential customizations because it's your beginning. Yeah, I was, I, I was curious just looking through kind of like the features, like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, typically like you would get an ask after building an admin panel, oh, we want to do like this particular business uh, process, you know, as a button on this form. Like it, it doesn't really mm -hmm. have that kind of flexibility to it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. Or it actually it does. does how. Yeah. So you can again. Uh, let's say let's pick traditional Rails admin report. So you need to use probably some DSL to define form fields. Let's say it's some custom action you want to onboard a new customer, and there is like email field, address, phone number. And you kind of create this form. You create controller, and says how you onboard the new customer. Uh, but with motor admin, you actually create this form using UI. You just drag and drop fields. Let's say you need email field, phone number field. Let's say some price number field. Uh, let's say attachment to upload the documents. And then with this front-end form, you just need to develop API using your Ruby, Rails, JSON, like API. And again, you don't need to learn DSLs because you created this form front-end using motor admin, drag and drop UI, and then you, you develop API using Ruby, and that's it, no DSLs. Uh, and that's how it works together. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at the like kind of massive form builder here. <laughs> uh, it looks yeah. intimidating, but also you know very flexible uh, in what you can configure all the forms for. Uh, super cool. I also like the custom SQL query uh, for each of the panels. That's really cool. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a try again. <laughs> it's been a while since I've needed an admin form. But uh, <laughs> so how how is the response? I'm curious because like anytime somebody releases another admin gem, 
uh, I, the backlash is always just like another admin tool, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, has that kind of been your response uh, or has it been, you know, positive since it's uh, less like intrusive, of a, you know, doesn't have that DSL aspect of it? Like, how has the community mm-hmm. response been? Yeah, the response was positive, I would say. Uh, maybe I didn't receive negative responses because, you know, usually if people don't understand it, they don't re- respond, right? They just try some other tool. Uh, but yeah, people have been using it uh, on Ruby Gems. There are maybe two hundred thousand installations, like gem downloads on Ruby Gems. So definitely, companies are using this. I don't know who are those companies. Yeah, but actually, there was commercial part of Motor Admin, <laughs> so that's another story. And actually, companies been uh, contacting me, trying to obtain that commercial gem with more features, it existed. Uh, but like for now, I switched to DocuSeal. Uh, so now it's just open source. I maintain it because we use it for DocuSeal. Uh, and yeah, so it's more like just maintains mode for Motor Admin at the moment. So is, is the Motor Admin Pro not a thing yet? Or are you yeah, just not focusing uh, it's on not, it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> It's not like <laughs> Motor Admin is not a thing now. It used to gotcha. be a thing, but I just switched to another project. Um, yep. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm curious like how that went, right? Like, how do you, uh, uh, you know, at, at what point do you say, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily worth it <laughs> uh, to pursue for uh, commercialization, right? Like, uh, uh, maybe DocuSeal like provided more uh, opportunity, right? Than this did. Um, what was what weighed it for you, like uh, to the point where uh, I'm getting, you know, response for commercializing, you know, a pro version of this or something like that. Um, you know, were you just bored with working on the admin tool? <laughs> uh, mm. You know. Uh, yeah. So uh, maybe the main reason is. Uh, that the market is like really small, uh, like Ruby Rails market. Uh, it's not a huge market, right? And unfortunately, it's not growing. Maybe things will change, but it's hard. It's hard to compete with all the Node.js, TypeScript, uh, React ecosystem, which is super popular nowadays. Uh, and yeah, market is really small, and, and that's probably the main reason. Makes sense. Uh, well, thank you for creating it. <laughs> I'll definitely <laughs> use it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious now that that's kind of like, uh, you know, where, where do you find time? <laughs> I always ask people that are start getting into open source, uh, you know. Where do you find time to like keep up with all the requests and make sure it stays up to date? Uh, you know, how do you how do you balance it all? Uh, I don't know. I'm working on weekends, <laughs> and that's probably it. There are no like secrets. Uh, it just requires time. You need to work more, uh, and that's it. Has anybody reached out to you about like sponsorship based on like them using it, or is that like kind of not a thing? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not a thing. But you know, companies still contacting me asking for pro version, commercial version, and I just reply, no, sorry guys, it's not available anymore. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Would you be open to to partnering with somebody that took over that aspect of it for you, or are you just rather not have to deal with it at this point? Uh, no, actually, I'm really open to transfer it to someone who is interested in improving it, developing it, just open source version, or they can commercialize it if they want to. Uh, I asked my friends, my network, if they want to fix this project for them. Unfortunately, they didn't want to. 
<laughs> so yeah, so I'm I'm still maintaining it. Uh, I'm not spending a lot of time, just a couple of hours on weekends. Uh, but yeah, so the project is useful. You can use it on Rails 7.1. It's battle tested at least with DocuSeal. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I love the tagline, instant Rails gem with a single command, uh, or install the Rails gem with a single command, uh, and you get your admin up. Um, very cool. Um, is it really that easy? You just install the gem and, uh, you know, Rails motor install yeah. and you're good? You can, you can try it. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, cool. I mean... We've gone through a lot here. Uh, is there anything else you want, other topics you want to talk about before we uh, sign off to picks? Oh, I guess that's it. We covered a lot, I would say. It was a good talk. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, p- please keep up the great work on, on DocuSeal because, you know, I, <laughs> I'm always looking for a document signing uh, tool. And DocuSign is great, uh, but, you know, open source is always better. <laughs> Uh, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, and I, I love seeing all of the uh, PDF, uh, you know, manipulation uh, in the open uh, really shed some light on all the challenges there. Uh, so super interesting. I'm, I'm going to dive in some more myself. All right. Uh, so we're going to move on to picks now where we uh, kind of just pick some things that we're either interested in or want to share. Um, you know, it can be anything. Uh, you know, we have people suggest games or, you know, software or whatever, whatever's really your fancy at this moment. Um, <laughs> so uh, to give you some, give you some time to think about it. Uh, I just got a stream deck uh, by Elgu or Elgato. Uh, let's you like push buttons to perform actions uh, on the Mac from this little like uh, pad that sits on my desk and I can control knobs on it. Kind of just like a macro pad uh to do all the different kinds of stuff. So I'm I haven't really set it up yet, but I'm excited to set it up. Uh yeah, it oh, looks nice. really fun. So what do you got? Uh yeah, <laughs> missing. Uh it can be anything Ruby related. Anything you want. It doesn't have to be Ruby related. Oh okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, usually, yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we can talk about Ruby JIT. If, I, I, actually, I found this topic really interesting. And there are not many languages implementing JIT, like Python. They don't have JIT, uh, which is a much much larger ecosystem. Google is promoting Python a lot, and Ruby received YJIT sooner. Uh, I found this really cool. Oh, you know what? We can. The topic I the topic the topic I'm whining about is how Ruby is underrated and underappreciated. It's painful to recognize this. Uh, like people are using some crazy Next.js rendering with React, sometimes script, type safety. When you have Ruby on Rails, you can build everything much faster. Like why? Why up against those like slow developer tools? Uh, what do you think? Are you like Ruby Rails maximalist or everyone has their own preferences? And I don't know. I mean, I think it. De- I think it depends. Still, like, uh, still a lot of like, uh, you know, a lot of the streaming or asynchronous stuff is not like completely built out and and like ideal in the Ruby world. And I know that's getting better. Like, kind of thanks to Samuel Williams, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think. There, there are still some uh, things that Ruby doesn't do great, but for like most cases, you know, I feel like that's my preferred 
language. Uh, there are just like so many things that uh, does well. And if you want to do anything on the web, like Rails just kind of like dwarfs any other framework, in my opinion, um, as far as the features, right? Um, and it's been like, it's just been around for so long at this point that, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's so solid and like so many like very lucrative companies are using it, right? And investing in it uh, and investing in Ruby. So like, uh, it, it's, it's hard because, uh, you know, yes, the JavaScript, you know, ecosystem is very popular. Uh, and Python is very popular, especially with all of the machine learning, like blowing up recently. Right. Uh, and so I think <laughs> my, my worry is, uh, you know, that outpacing everything else. So like, uh, you know, if, if JavaScript and Python move forward as like the de facto languages because that's where the machine learning world is and that's all that matters anymore, uh, then that is a concern, right? And uh, I love all of the kind of the work that's been coming out from, uh, you know, all of the data people working on, you know, PyTorch for, for Ruby and, and things like that uh, to help bring a lot of the Python, you know, focus out of the you know data world it doesn't have to be just python you know uh and so with more people in the ruby world focusing on that i think i think it has a chance <laughs> in the mm. long long run but near, near term i don't think there's any <laughs> any issue developing in ruby still mm. uh it is it is just like a you know like i said if you're working on web like your performance is just going to be like huge uh you know, in comparison to some of the other frameworks out there, if you're using yeah. Rails. Yeah, yeah, th that's true. Uh, yeah, actually, with Python and Ruby, just to compare two languages, it's so unfortunate that Ruby didn't pick the place of Python, because in, in theory, it could have been Ruby. Languages are really similar, similar design, uh, even syntaxes. It's quite similar, but the thing is that Ruby was developed by a Japanese guy, <laughs> we know him, and Python was developed, uh, I believe, from a person from French, but then he started working for Google. And that's pretty much it. So Google boosted Python a lot. And unfortunately, Ruby was not picked by large, like super large companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook. And that's it. But it could have been Ruby. We could, maybe in some alternative universe, all ML machine learning stuff is written in Ruby. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't see any reasons why it's not possible. It's more like just randomly Python was picked by Google because that's <laughs> what happened. And that's how all the ecosystem with Python was developed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I mean, especially with ChatGPT now, like, you know, just make this Python work like Ruby. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like maybe that's good, maybe it's bad, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's not going to matter, if, you know, in the end run. Um, you're just going to have to be able to talk to the large language models the right way. <laughs> that's... That's my fear. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to have to be having a conversation with a computer all day. I'd rather just get it to do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it was great talking to you, Pete. Uh, you know, I think this is a great, great place to stop. Um, you know, check out DocuSeal for all those out there uh, looking for signing documents. Great open source project by Pete here. Um, and and Motor Admin, really. Uh, if you're interested in taking over, you know, reach out to him. And that's a great uh, segue here. Uh, how can people find you if they uh, want to reach out to you, Pete? Uh, yeah, they can find me on GitHub, uh, ask questions in related repositories. And also they can join our Discord community, Discord community. And you can just text me in Discord. It's super easy. Uh, can use direct messages or you can use public channel, ask questions or just to say hi. And 
yeah, that's how you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and uh, sharing your story here. Uh, I, I love seeing, uh, you know, successful open source projects, you know, take on commercialization and you, know, you being able to work for yourself, uh, you know, thanks to all of the ecosystem that already exists. Uh, really awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great talk. And yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, until next time, folks, I'm Valentino Stoll, and this has been Ruby Rose.